Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the Diet Frozen Yogurt Bar, it went out of business last summer. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Coffee and Comics Podcast. I'm your host, the constantly caffeinated Clinton Robison. I'm here in the coffee cave talking with all of you, in short, because I have a love of comics and I wanted to share that joy with like-minded folks like all of you. Since it's the first episode, allow me a moment to give a little background of the show. This show spun out of the Coffee and Comics blog which has been active for slightly over a year at the time of recording. On said blog, I would discuss an issue, a story, or just some general aspect of comics in general, and give my rambling thoughts on the subject. The initial goal was to write up something simple enough to be enjoyed over a cup of coffee that could be read before work, on break, as a relaxing moment late in the day, or what have you. And it worked better than I expected. But there was that little voice in the back of my head that said, how can you make this better? Usually that voice leads me to disaster and ruin. But I figured what the heck, right? The answer to that little voice was, do a podcast. You make YouTube videos? Uh, not really. Now I'll be frank. I've got a face made for radio and a voice that's perfect for silent films. So since only one of those two is still a viable medium, I had to go with using my voice. So here we are with a podcast. Now I'll freely admit, I am no comic scholar. I don't know all the technical terms. I'm a complete blank slate when it comes to art, and I'm a sucker for hackneyed cliche plots. I grew up in the 80s and bought many, many comics in the early to mid 90s. Really, my tastes are all over. It took me years to realize that superheroes and newspaper funnies weren't the only good things to be put into comic form but superheroes are still my favorite. Why am I telling you this? So you'll understand what kind of subjects to expect down the road. For those of you who haven't turned off the podcast yet, thank you for sticking with me. Time to get into the main thing we're here to talk about. This time around we'll be talking about the Brave and the Bold Annual from 2001. What is this thing? Well, quite simply, it's DC collecting four Silver and Bronze Age team-up stories and collected them together as if this has been an annual or 80-page giant released in 1969. Collected herein are team-ups featuring Green Arrow and the Martian Manhunter, Batman and the Flash, Sandman and the Newsboy Legion, and even Captain Atom and Nightshade, who were later DC acquisitions and not actual DC properties when this story was published initially. I won't actually get into all these stories today as it would take way longer than this episode needs to be. Today our main focus is the Green Arrow Martian Manhunter story. Our story this time around is, is titled Wanted the Capsule Master. It was originally published in The Brave and the Bold number 50 in November 1963, 
which was the first issue of that title to switch to the team-up format. It was written by Bob Haney, pencils and inks by George Russos, and letters by Ira Schnapp. Colorist is Lee Lowridge, edited by George Cashton. And if I messed up any of those names, I'm sorry, but it's probably going to happen more than, more often than not. <laughs> Our story begins with a strange capsule that can be seen flying overhead in Star City. The easily recognized arrow signal shoots forth into the sky, alerting Green Arrow and his sidekick Speedy of a summons to trouble. The emergency is at the city prison, where three convicts have broken out of their cell using what appears to be super strength. They left behind rubber masks matching the, the convicts' faces. Green Arrow and Speedy notice them crossing the prison walls in an attempt to escape. The three convicts shrug off the bola arrows that the archers have shot at them, and they even shrug off stun arrows before escaping without a trace. Later, the two heroes respond to a museum robbery. The only thing stolen was a meteor. However, said meteor is apparently highly radioactive and left what is described as a photo essentially an outline of whatever design the radioactivity bent around, similar to an X-ray image. Ollie concludes that based on the evidence, they are dealing with aliens and suggests bringing in the Martian Manhunter for help. After a quick communique, the Manhunter arrives at the Arrow Cave, and the other two heroes fill him in. Meanwhile, the alien beings assemble in a clearing to wait for the approaching capsule mentioned earlier. They address the occupant as Volcor who takes the meteor from them and reveals a piece of machinery inside. He then sends his lackeys to Star City Harbor to retrieve another item. There they encounter Martian Manhunter, Green Arrow, and Speedy. The two archers attempt to deal with Volcor's capsule while Martian Manhunter fights the now four aliens. The aliens, which are confirmed to be Martians, easily take down the Manhunter, who has been too used to dealing with humans to use his full Martian strength against them. Volcor manages to break the tail section of the aeroplane, but luckily the two are saved by a well-placed parachute arrow. The villains have escaped. Our heroes have decided it's time to regroup and get some answers. John Jones returns to Mars to convene with the All-Martian Council about Volcor. It is revealed that Volcor was a Martian criminal who was imprisoned for stealing a Martian superweapon. Upon his capture, the weapon was believed destroyed and was never able to be duplicated. Having no official diplomatic relations with Earth, the Council really doesn't give two space rocks about what Volcor is doing now, and sends the Manhunter on his way. Back on Earth, Arrow and Speedy are tooling around in their sports car that is somehow the Arrow car, supposedly looking for Volcor. Hearing a news report about aliens attacking a radar station, the two zoom there just in time to see Volcor's gang smashing the radar dish and digging into the hillside. The duo's sonic arrows seem to work against the Martians, until Volcor shows up in his capsule ship. He uses a force field to block the arrows from his men. Ollie gets the bright idea to use the arrow car's ejection seat to launch himself at Volcor's ship. Not only is his attack blocked by the force field, but Ollie is also captured. Martian Manhunter shows up just in time to try rescuing Ollie, only to bounce off the force field while Volcor and his men escape. Speedy and Manhunter go back to the Arrow Cave. Manhunter, seeing the photo from earlier, and remembering that he somehow used Martian vision earlier to see what the Martians were dredging up at the harbor, realizes that Volcor's superweapon was never destroyed, but dismantled and hidden before he could be captured. 
Just then, Grihero reappears and says he managed to escape when the capsule accidentally struck some power lines. The three decide to return to the radar site and see if Volcor comes back to collect the missing piece. As predicted, Volcor does indeed show, but just as Manhunter seeks to stop Volcor, Green Arrow starts firing incendiary arrows at Jean. As the flames begin to weaken Jean, Speedy manages to douse them with foam arrows. However, Volcor has since escaped. Back at the Arrow Cave, the trio overhears a radio transmission from Volcor. Speedy says he managed to tag Volcor with a tiny transmitter arrow earlier. They learn that Volcor has a method for controlling Green Arrow, and that Volcor's next target is the atomic-powered ship Neptune. The next day, the three are passengers aboard the ship, in their civilian identities, of course. When they catch sight of Volcor's ship, they quickly change clothes, hop in the aeroplane, and zoom off to stop him. Because that's how things work. Getting closer, Green Arrow ejects and fires an arrow filled with magnetic particles that cover Volcor's ship. Volcor's men rush out to sweep the metal away as it disrupts the force field, and they assume Arrow is no threat due to Volcor's control. However, Green Arrow blows a mighty gust of Martian super-breath at them. Arrow and Manhunter disguise themselves as each other to fool Volcor. The aeroplane knocks Volcor's ship off-kilter. As Volcor's men attack the plane, our heroic archers launch firework arrows at the Martians. The Manhunter boards the ship as it plummets to the ocean and subdues Volcor. The three heroes round up the alien criminals, discover the control device was in Ollie's bow the whole time, and Manhunter streaks off to take the criminals to Mars to stand trial. Our heroes agree that they make a good team, and the world is lucky to have all three of them. Wow, what a story. Let's take a break here to hear some promos for podcasts much better than mine, wink wink, and we'll be back with some thoughts on this issue. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen. And I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the Quarterbin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. Warlord Worlds a fan podcast devoted to the comic creations of Mike Grell, including Warlord, John Sable, Star Slayer, Shaman's Tears, and Green Arrow. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. Join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in the many excellent comics from writer and artist Mike Grell. Warlord Worlds is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at warlordworlds.com.
and we're back. And I'm still recovering from that story. What an adventure, right? I'm thinking about getting a timeshare in the Arrow Cave. I mean, we seem to be back there pretty often. Okay, so really, what did I think? Or as Trentus Magnus would say, what did I think of this? For the most part, this is actually a pretty okay team-up story. You've got Batman clone Green Arrow and Robin clone Speedy partnering with Superman clone Martian Manhunter. Okay, 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 before I get all the hate mail, they aren't exact clones or rip-offs, but, I mean, this is the Silver Age, it's still the same premise. As for the actual story itself, it's decent Silver Age fare. Alien criminals hiding out on Earth until they get the message their boss has escaped and ready to once again assemble his death ray and enslave the known universe is a pretty fun little plot. It gets doubly fun when you realize Zany Haney is at the helm. He steers us this way and that, weaving in and about three extra plots that we didn't know we needed or wanted, and in the end churns out a 24-page story that would easily fit an entire trade these days. The mind-controlled hero turning on his pals is such a trope, but it probably wasn't overused at that time. Plus, we're talking about a self-contained story that may have been read by kids who only got to pick up a book every few months or may never have even seen these characters before. I personally love it when Ollie and Roy have trick arrows, but even this was bordering on Batman 66 levels of corniness. Actually, I'm more concerned about the arrow signal. It seems to vary between a simple flare signal to a giant arrow being shot into the sky. What if this thing hits somebody? Eh, who am I kidding? It's comics. Crazy crap like this happens all the time. It's like classic Star Trek and Doctor Who. You ignore the obviously hokey things and just go with it. Enjoy the story, darn you. The art is pretty serviceable. We have Ollie in his classic Robin Hood look, with Martian Manhunter having a more human appearance than we might expect these days. It's never really hard to follow the story based on the art, so I mean, that's good. Speaking of the Martian Manhunter, I'd always known him to be the last Green Martian. Obviously, this wasn't the case. In the 50s and 60s, according to known Martian Manhunter scholar Diablo Frank, Jean was able to transport himself back and forth to Mars fairly easily and just stayed around because he wanted to help protect the Earth. At least until a story where he went to help rule New Mars, or something like that. Is it bad that my main complaint is that we started with three Martian goons escaping prison, and then suddenly we have four the rest of the issue? In fact, one art goof shows five together at the docks in one panel only. And no, it's not Volcor. Or if it is, it isn't mentioned. Whatever. Just roll with it and enjoy the story. A few art highlights since I'm not really good at the technical details. The panel of Oliver and Roy shooting the bola arrows is definitely a favorite. It's an enjoyable action shot that could be used as a postcard image. Martian Manhunter getting pummeled by the Martians is good just for the sense of action. I can really see them engaged in a Donnybrook. The leader of the Martian Council is just a classic sci-fi creepy-looking alien. Definitely a blast. And finally, the scene of Jean disguised as Green Arrow using his super breath is a great way to end the issue. All these images can be found on the podcast website, which I'll give the information at the end of the show. In short, this is a good example of some classic DC storytelling back in the day. Zany Haney strikes again, but it is far from his zaniest. The art is standard Silver Age fare and stays mostly on track. 
Time for another promo break for a much cooler podcast, and I'll meet up with you at the end. Comics come in all shapes and sizes. Coming soon from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. It's Digest Cast, a new show dedicated to our beloved pocket-sized treasures from that bygone era of the 70s and 80s. Hosted by the Fire and Water Podcast team of Robin Shag, and we'll be joined from time to time by special guests. It's Digest Cast, because big things come in small packages. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Podcast Network. My name's Nathaniel, and I'm here to tell you about an exciting new podcast. What are you doing? Oh, hey, Liz. I'm just recording the the podcast promo. You're recording the promo for the Punch Like a Girl podcast? Yeah. You. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the hosts. I have more podcast experience. What? You're going to sit there and mansplain to people about a podcast focusing on graphic novels and trade collections with female protagonists? Um, oh. Yeah. Can I at least tell them how it's available on iTunes and Stitcher and at punchlikeagirlpod.wordpress.com? No. Shoot. Alright, well hang on, I'll delete this, we'll try again. That's not delete, that's the button for publish. Back again. This is where I talk about some listener feedback. But since this is the first episode, I have none to share. Whose fault is that? Well, probably nobody's. But if I gotta blame somebody, then I'll blame my cat. So, how can you leave feedback? That's easy. Email me at coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com or leave a comment on the website, which is coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com iTunes reviews would also be greatly appreciated, but not required. All intellectual properties discussed and or featured in this podcast are copyright their respective owners and considered use under fair use. I make absolutely no money off this podcast, so please don't sue. Thanks for joining me, and I will see you back next time. What will we talk about? Well, I guess we will just have to wait and see.